my time with you on Wednesday night. Uh, my uh, commission for the year is that uh, I'm going to preach on faith. Amen. So we always got to hear some stuff on faith. Amen. So uh, we're a faith church. Amen. Not a doubt and unbelief church. Look at your neighbor and say, we don't, we don't go for that doubt and unbelief stuff. That was weak. Amen. Let's try that one more time. We don't go for that mess. Amen. Hallelujah. So let's put up uh, some key verses, ones that we've been using. Uh, Mark eleven twenty two. of course, this is uh, uh, him uh, after the fig tree situation, and uh, the boys asked him a question, and so he's given an answer and telling us to speak to our mountain. But he says this, have faith in God, amen? Now, you think that'd just be kind of a, you know, kind of a duh statement, but it's really, to be honest, when you stop and the more you meditate on it, the more, um, the more we need to hear it. Uh-huh. Now, let's just look at a couple different uh, other translations. How about the Amplified? Put that one up there, and it just adds this, constantly, right? Everybody say constantly. Now, the reason I, I put that in there and use that pretty much every time we pull it up um, is because that's really the key. A lot of times we think of that we, we only use our faith when we got an issue going on or when trouble hits and all of a sudden we better get our faith engaged. Well, how many know your faith should be engaged all the time? Because what? We have faith in God, what? Constantly, praise God. Amen. Uh, the word faith, again, pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S is the Greek word, uh, which means a belief in, okay, a confidence in, a trust in, amen, a reliance, dependence, assurance. These are all synonyms to this word faith, praise God. And, of course, every, every time we've talked, we've used, uh, you know, pulling out at least part of that and look at that in a different angle. So let's look at the message translation of this. Of course, it gives you a little bit more about it. Says this, Jesus was, matter of fact, embrace this, is what he says, embrace this God life. Amen. Really embrace it. Everybody say, really embrace it. Look at your neighbor and just say, you got to get serious about this. Really embrace it, and nothing will be too much for you. Amen. This mountain, for instance, just say, go jump in the lake. No shuffling, no shilly shallying. Amen. And it's as, as good as done. Amen. Praise God. So, praise the Lord. So, with that said, uh, Hebrews 10, let's look at that word, verse in verse uh, 38, I believe it is. We also see this in Habakkuk 2.4, Romans uh, 1.11, Galatians, no, 1, yeah, that's right, 1.17 and Galatians 3.11, there it is. And so, it says this, uh, that uh, we're to live by faith, amen. Now, the just shall live by faith. Everybody say live. live. And it literally means to conduct life, to live life, step by step, Amen. Uh, your, your life, your, uh, you know, this is a lifestyle. This is how we do it. We live by reliance on God, dependence on God, assurance in God. Amen. We live, amen, by confidence in God. Amen. This is how we live. I said this is how we live. And we might touch on some things today. All right. Well, we kind of do that once in a while, don't we? But anyway, we're going to touch on some things today. And so we're going to find out, you know, do you, are you going to live this or not? Right? If anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. In other words, I get no satisfaction how somebody's backing up. All right? But we're those that move forward in God, right? Look at your neighbor and say, we're a move forward people. And really, has to be honest. Faith always moves forward. Amen. Well, you know, stuff's got me down. Doesn't matter. Move forward. Well, this thing's knocked me back. It doesn't matter. Get up and move forward. Come on. We're not denying that you're up against things. We're not denying the pressures. We're not denying that there's some things sometimes that are just not right. It might be totally unfair, but as a faith people, praise God, we get up and we move forward. Amen. We believe 
God. We trust in God. We rely on God. Can I hear a big amen? amen. All right. With that said, praise God. We're shifting gears. We're going to go to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 1. A common text, but uh, it's going to be necessary for what we're, where we're headed with this today. Common text just says this. For all the promises of God in Him are yes, right? And in Him, amen, to the glory of God through us, all right? All the promises. Everybody say all the promises. How many know there's a lot of promises in there? I said, how many know there's a lot of promises in there? Amen. Uh, you know, they've said there's, you know, anywhere from seven to 10,000 promises in there. So uh, one year, uh, one, one gal, she was spending the time, she was going through it. She was just trying to figure out how many promises there actually was. So she started in Genesis, and I don't know what she, man, I don't even think she got through Genesis. And she had already found, you know, uh, you know hundreds of promises. And she was like, okay, yeah, there's a lot of them. Yeah, there is a lot of them. And so we got promises, you know, that deal with, uh, you know, how about just, just deal with the fact that, uh, hey, you get to go to heaven. That's a promise, right? So stuff dealing with your eternal uh, e eternity, I could say, you know. Uh, things deal with your identity. How about that? You know, promises about who you are in Christ, right? You're the righteousness of God. That's, that's, a, that's a promise because of what He's done for you. That makes you, amen, the righteousness of God, amen. We can go on and on with that, right? Uh, provision. There's promises for provision, promises uh, for health. There's promises that deal with uh, your finance, uh, uh, pardon me, or uh, your family, I should say. Your family and your, uh, raising your kids. And uh, we can just go on and on about all kinds of promises in the Word of God. How to deal with people. How to deal with yourself. How to deal with your emotions. How to deal with, your, uh, with fear. How to deal with, uh, you know, attacks on this side and attacks on that side. And what do you do if they're coming from both sides? We got promises, promises, promises. Amen. And it says all these promises are in Him, right? are in Him that are what? Yes, and in Him, amen, which means so be it. So in other words, He's not holding back any promise. Is that what you get out of that? Am I the only one that gets that, or do you get that? I get out of that that all the promises are available, all of them are there, and they're all yes. You notice He didn't say all the promises in God are maybe. Or all the promises in God are sometimes Yes. No, he said, are yes, and in him, amen, or so be it, praise God. So that's good to know, all right? So now I believe you could probably, you could bank on the word of God. You know, you can take that word and, 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 and you can, in fact, this, this verse on promises is a promise. Isn't it? See, this, this verse on promises is a promise. It's a promise to you that all his promises, amen, in Him are yes, and in Him, amen. Right? So all the promises are available, praise God. All of them are there, praise God. So let's, let's, uh, let's look at this. What does the word promise actually mean? Uh, we might as well, let's settle that. Um, the word promise is defined um, as an expressed assurance on which expectation is to be based, which is going to be kind of a key word here today, expectation. So a promise is an expressed assurance. Now, there's something that has been spoken, expressed, that you can bank on. An expressed assurance on which your expectation, all right, is to be based, all right? So, all right, so something said that you can count on, but it's going to be based or what you base 
your expectation on. Okay, so let's, okay, what does that mean? All right, hallelujah. So God's promises uh, are there for us to base our expectation on, right? Okay, so what does expectation mean? Well, it means anticipation. It uses the word hope. In fact, the word hope, like if, uh, for instance, uh, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is the substance, right, of things hoped for or expected or anticipated, the evidence of things not seen. That even if, even if you don't see it, you, can, you know that you have the proof of it. Why? Because your faith is giving substance, amen, or is the substance, and it, it does also mean to give substance. In other words, it, it, your faith will give matter, okay, matter or substance or literally will cause it to come to pass. What? Cause what to come to pass? The things you hope for, the things you expect, the things you anticipate. So you have to ask yourself, what are you anticipating? What are you expecting? What are you hoping for? Now, listen, now listen, what, what you may be expecting may not be what you want. Thought I better throw that out there. Because sometimes uh, you're expecting something that you really don't want. But your expectation is that that's going to happen. See, fear is like a, is really an, is like a perverted faith. It's like an expectation of something bad going to happen. And see, your, your fear... Um, you know, gives place to the enemy, and actually, your faith begins to give it substance. That's why the thing that I feared the most has come upon me. Why? Because it's been given substance or matter. It may have started off not being anything, but because there was so much fear, so much, uh, you know, expectation of something bad to happen, all of a sudden we gave place to it. Okay, that's a whole other sermon, but, but hang on to that. Okay, so expectation means anticipation, hope, or expectation. Now, the, I look up the word, ex, uh, pardon me, expectancy, pardon me, expectancy. I look up the word expectancy. Uh, it means foresight. It means a look forward or something kept in view. Now, hang on to that. Okay, so it's like a picture, all right? Um, the word expectation also means preconception or preconceived idea, thought, or notion. Okay, so it's something based on thinking, based on thoughts. Okay, now that's key tonight. Okay. And it also means inception, which means, and so I, I looked it up. What does that really bring out? What's that mean? It means something projected, displayed, or something showing. So when you start looking at expectation, you start looking at hope. Hope is like a picture, it's like a snapshot. It's like, it's like a picture on the canvas uh, of your mind. And uh, because you're seeing something. Now, you might be seeing something bad or something wrong or something evil, but that's what you're seeing. And if that's what you're seeing, that's what begins to get, that's what your faith begins to give substance to. Are you still with me? Okay. Because it's, 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 it's necessary to understand that. So, you know, we're sitting here, you know, we, we walk by faith and not by sight. Well, there's a reason for that, because if we're going to be moved by everything that goes, and pretty soon that's what we expect all the time, pretty soon it just, it's just like the snowball effect begins to happen. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So we live by faith, which means 
if we get the right picture every day, then our faith, even if something isn't quite manifesting like we want or seeing something going on around us we don't like, we can start giving substance or matter to something else. Amen. Are you still hearing me? That's the cool thing about faith, okay? That's why faith is so important. You know, we took one week and just all the different times and places that Jesus uh, told him, he says, your faith made you well. Your faith made you whole. And you think, well, no, Jesus didn't. No, he said, your faith did this. You know, you came by faith and reached out by faith, and you received that. This last uh, week, and I, I should have shared it on Sunday, but I didn't, and uh, this last week I had a um, conversation with a gal in a restaurant here, a Mexican restaurant in town here, and a sweetheart in there. She's uh, somebody we've been kind of ministering to off and on, and, and uh, she knows the Lord, but, you know, I'm not real, you know, not real anchored in a lot of stuff, but she, very open, and she had been fighting a battle of gout in uh, her feet, and it had gotten so bad it moved up, clear up into her, up to her knees, so it was hard for her to walk, and you can imagine being a, uh, yeah, just open sores, you know, and uh, so she, every day she'd have to wrap these things up just so they wouldn't, anyway, you kind of get, get the picture, and um, so, um, you know, we're in a restaurant, and she's telling us things, and having us, you know, say, please pray, and well, you know, one day we just said, well, you know, I'm, I, you know, let's pray. So we did, and, um, you know, and she received it. And um, so, oh, was it, was it two weeks ago, a week ago, ten days ago? We went in there, and she Pastor, So she pulls me aside, and she goes back to one of the booths and sits down and wants to tell me this whole story. And so... Um, she said, so, um, you know, you can imagine in her accent, she's trying to tell me, and she said, uh, Pastor, Pastor, now, I know about the mustard seed, mustard seed of faith, a mustard seed of faith. Now, I don't have a mustard seed of faith, I just have a piece of a mustard seed of faith. <laughs> she's telling me, right? Just a piece. That's all I got is a piece. So she's thinking, you know, I just got a piece. But she said, I remember, I remember that the lady who got healed reached up and touched his robe. So I got a piece of mustard seed of faith, and I remember the story of the lady who touched his robe. I said, all right. So she said, I'm laying in the bed, and I reached up, and I said, Lord, I don't have anything but a little piece of mustard seed of faith. <laughs> but I'm reaching by faith. Oh, she didn't say by faith, but I knew it was by faith. Yeah. But she said, I'm reaching to touch her robe. And she said, I can't do it physically, but I can do it spiritually. So spiritual. I can do it spiritual. She said, I can do it spiritual. And I said, all right. She said, and I fell asleep. She said, I woke up late the next day or later than normal. My husband's already getting ready and already getting ready to go off to work. And I noticed my, my legs weren't hurting. She thought, well, praise the Lord. So he goes off to work, and so she goes to get cleaned up. So she starts taking all of her bandages off. She pulled her bandage off, and she said it was fresh baby skin. Yeah. Overnight, God healed it. Amen. So it pays to walk by faith. Even if you don't have a mustard seed of faith. She's a sweetheart, huh? She is. Oh, did I make her? I don't mean to do that. I didn't do that, did I? No, she is a sweetheart. I love her. She's great. So she's known her for a lot of years, and she's, she's a sweetheart. So praise God. So if I, I didn't mean to bring any disrespect on her, did I do it? Okay, all right. 
Well, of course it is. <laughs> Listen, my English is bad. <laughs> so anyway, whatever. So anyway, so the point is, is that uh, she, by faith, changed her situation. And even though she didn't know a whole lot, she, all she needed to do was believe and trust. And she did. She received. All right? Now, if God would do that for her, God can do that for you. If God would heal me, God could heal you. If God healed anybody, right, that's a promise. That means God could do it for you. God delivered anybody, and God could do it for you, but we just got to have your faith engaged. And so there's some things sometimes that get in the way of our faith, right? Sometimes that's all it is. We just got some things that get in the way. All right, so uh, so let's see here. Let's see. What, how do I want to do this? Here? Um, all right. So all the promises of God in Him are yes and in Him amen. Now, okay. Now, the idea is not just to understand that all the promises are mine, but we want the promises to be manifested, right? Because it's more than just saying all of that's ours and then go on and never receive them or never walk in them. So, I mean, I'm not looking to just make sure I have right, proper doctrine and believe that the promises are mine, right? Come on. Now, I want you to have good doctrine, and it starts with having your mind renewed to what's yours, but... I want more than just to know that the promises are mine. I want them manifesting in my life. Anybody else in agreement with that? Okay, so the manifest, so what we're finding out today, with just kind of the direction we're going with it today, is that a big key to a manifested promise in your life is a thing called expectation. So you got to have some expectation of that promise. Now listen, of that promise manifesting. You gotta expect that promise to manifest. See, if you're expecting something opposite of the promise, even though in, you know, maybe your head back there somewhere bouncing around in there, you may know that all the promises are yours, but you still expect it not to happen. See, now it's gotten away of your faith. Okay? Does that make sense? All right. So let's, let's look at some things here today. Um, let's go to Psalm 78. We're going to go there, Psalm 78. <clears throat> I kind of had a, a text that kind of jumped at me the last, this week, and so I, I know I got a, you know, based on uh, what has uh, been deposited in my heart, I got to make sure I get there today. But as I meditated on that, then everything else starts opening up, and you start, all these other verses start jumping at you and all that kind of stuff. So uh, so we'll see how far we get with some of this. Um, Psalm 78, um, verse 40. Now, um, we have um, uh, used this text, you know, de- dealing with, uh, you, know, you know, whether or not we're going to limit God or not or limit ourselves. In this case, maybe limit our faith. Um, how many know you can do that? Okay, so it says here, talking about the children of Israel, because we're going to talk about them today, all right? Uh, you know, they're in, the, they're in the wilderness right now. They're in the desert. And, um, okay, so we can learn some things. The Word says that, uh, you know, all that has been, is there for our admonition, you know, for us to learn and to glean. doesn't mean that you have to experience it all, but it does mean that you need to glean something and learn something from it. Now, I will say this. Hebrews 12 says, brings out very clear, that don't think that what happened to them couldn't happen to you. Because that would be a deception, okay? But we don't want that to happen to us. I don't want to be roaming around no wilderness for 40 years. Anybody in agreement with that? 
All four of you. All right. The rest of you are okay with the desert. All right. <laughs> How many say, I don't want the 40-year desert thing? I don't want the 40-year desert. Amen. I don't want it either. Amen. So, I mean, I know we live in the high desert, but uh, anyway, a little different. But anyway, all right. So here we are. So verse 40 says this. How often they provoked him in the wilderness, and they grieved him in the desert. Now, they obviously did it quite a bit here, right? Uh, we, also, we know by, you know, several texts that, I mean, um, the Word even talks about how uh, they grieved him uh, even in their tents. I think Psalms 106 brings out, you know, that, uh, you know, they, uh, they, they went into their tents thinking that they could say whatever, and he knew what they were thinking and what they were saying. Come on, somebody. Now, the reason this is important to bring out, because, see, you could say, um, I'm believing for this, or I'm believing for that, or I'm believing for this, but see, if, if you kind of, you know, you find out what's on the picture when you get alone, or you get with somebody you, you know, you trust or comp, sometimes you have a tendency to say a few things. And we're going to, you know, what happens then, you kind of start finding out really where, what kind of picture you got in it. And, um, you know, your, your mouth, uh, your attitude sometimes, um, demeanor uh, can give away, um, you know, can give away what's on the picture. Because what's on the picture, see, is what your faith's given substance to. Okay? Now, it's necessary to think about this because, uh, huh? It is, Right. See, if, if, if your mouth's giving you away, then it's like, ah, I need to change that. Okay? Um, it's necessary. So they often provoked him. And so a lot of times we, get, you know, we just look at those children of Israel and think, oh, they're stinkers. I'd never live that way. I'd never act that way. I'd never doubt God. Well, you know, have you had God do something in your life? And why do you doubt him the next time? Well, anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay, so here we go. Yes, again, verse 41, again and again, and again, and again, and again, they tempted God, and they limited the Holy One of Israel. Well, how did they do that? Well, one of the ways was, verse 42, they did not remember His power, right? What, what, what when? when? The day that He redeemed them from the enemy, when He worked His signs in Egypt and His wonders in the field of Zoan. So in other words, all those things he did to deliver them out of Egypt, they forgot all about that. Now listen, I'm just, I'm just going to say this because, you know, we're talking about going into the promised land, taking your promise, and you know there's going to be a few fights along the way. How many know that to be true? You know, the, the enemy don't just lay down and give you the promised land. You've got to use your faith. Come on now. And, um, you know, but let's, let's just bring something, bring, make something a little clear here about the children of Israel. They just got delivered from the most powerful nation on the planet at that time. The most influential, the most powerful, the most uh, strengthened, uh, fortified armies. Okay? They were above and beyond all the other nations. And yet God delivered them from them. So keep that in mind. Okay. So he worked, you know, his signs, you know, in Egypt and 
in, in Zoan. And so back up here it says, they did not remember his power, verse 42, the day when he redeemed them from there. So part of it is they just forgot. Come on. So let's look that up. We got to do that. You know, kind of how I do things, right? I got to always look something up, right? Remember. Okay, what? Well, you think, okay, well, to remember something means to be mindful. Well, why is it important to be mindful of this? Because uh, it determines what's on the canvas of, of your mind back there. What? Come on, right? What's, what's the picture made of? It means to think on or to recount. It means to make to or bring to or keep in remembrance. Okay, so makes sense. Okay, so remember, we remember this, how we stay mindful of it, we recount, we can go back, we can think about all it. So what he's just trying to say, listen, if you would have just stirred in your mind how God delivered you out of the hand of the most powerful nation on the planet at that time, then God can deliver you from anything. Now, <clears throat> at any given time, um, this is why it always seems silly to me, but, but, but yet we, can, we don't have to look very hard or very far to see the hand of God. But, you know, at that particular time, you know, in a wilderness. Now, for whatever it's worth, okay, uh, most of your scholars believe, you know, there was, uh, you know, well over a million Israelites, um, you know, each tribe being, you know, 100,000 plus. Um, and I've heard as much as a few million. I don't know that. We don't totally know that. But we do know there was a bunch of them. It wasn't like there was 12 people. Okay? There was literally hundreds of thousands of people that were delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. They come out with everything. I mean, they, they basically took everything of value. They come out with all the herds. And we're talking about, so it wasn't just, a, so you can imagine across the plain of a, of a desert, seeing a million people plus, you know, all their tents, all their livestock. And in front, we see a pillar of, of cloud uh, by day and a pillar of fire by night. When they camped in one certain location, that pillar of cloud or pillar of fire would always stand in front of the tent of meeting, which is just right outside the edge of, of the camp encounter. So we're talking about a major, I mean, we're talking about a lot of real estate here. And uh, so a lot of real estate, and yet um, they could just walk out their tent and see God doing something. And that certain cases, you know, they got upset because no food, and yet God would rain down a thing called manna, which the word manna just means what is it. So they didn't know what to even call it. They just called, what is this? I don't know. Try it. No, you try it. No, you try it. No, you try it. Okay, I'll try it. If I try it, you have to try it. Okay, then so they they're trying, oh, hey, that's, oh, not bad, right? They make manna bread, manna burgers, <laughs> you know, all kinds of manna. Well, we're getting tired of manna. Well, okay, here's quail. Okay, every day the, uh, this flocks of quail will come through and enough to feed everybody. Well, we need water. Well, let's just hit a rock, and we got water pouring out of a rock. Water, enough water pouring out of a rock to not only take care of their personal, you know, uh, needs, but the needs of their herds. We're talking major amounts of water pouring out of a rock. 
So the point is, is they could just walk outside their tent and just take a peek and look and see the signs and the wonders and the miracles and then recalling what he had done with them in Egypt. The point I'm just trying to make is sometimes we forget about all those things that God's done for us. And it's easy to do because we're right in the middle of something, man. It's like, man, this thing is like knocking me out, man. I, just like, I don't understand why a person we forget is like, no, 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 remember what the Lord has done. Don't forget those things. Don't forget what he just did for you last week. What did he do for you? I mean, did you, I mean are, you, are you actually saved? I mean, that alone ought to at least get you by a few minutes, right? I've been redeemed. I mean, there's just all kinds of things you just, you know, just start bringing up. And if you keep that stern, it's going to help that picture and that whatever it is you're dealing with or going through, amen, you keep the picture right, your faith keeps giving it substance, pretty soon it manifests once again, you're delivered again, you got another notch on the belt, you got another victory, Amen. You got another thing you can talk about, another thing to put back in there, praise God. And remember for the next, you know, attack or whatever it is, if you're taking your promised land especially, praise God. Amen. Going from one, uh, one uh, battle and you're winning and going into the next one, you're winning, praise God. And it just, it just, it's just the way it's supposed to work. Come on, somebody. Till you, you get what's called your promise, praise the Lord. All right. So they did not remember. Okay, let's, uh, uh, actually earlier in the psalm, let's go. There's a few verses I think I gave you there. Uh, what did I give you? Verse 6. That's a good one. We'll just do that. It says, um, now, that the generation to come might know them. So he's, he's just, this whole psalm is kind of dealing with this thing, okay? The children who would be born. So he's talking about, listen, listen, this is a word to everybody else beyond this group here, all right? That they may arise and declare them uh, to their children. In other words, everything that's happened, amen, you take this and you keep telling everybody, praise God, the things that they learned, the things that we saw in them, we're telling you. Now you make sure you keep telling everybody. So here we are in Redmond, Oregon, 2019. Right? And we're reminding you, amen, to remember what God has done. Woo! Verse 7. That they may set their hope, their expectation in God and not forget the works of God. Amen. But keep what His commandments or utterances, things he said to them. Amen. Verse 8, here we go. And may not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation. Well, you know, them stubborn and rebellious, well, don't be one of them. Right? Learn from them. A generation that did not, here we go, set its heart aright and whose spirit was not faithful to God. So they they kind of did some things squirrely and got in trouble for it. So let's, let's back up now. Let's, let's look at that. So let's go to Numbers, Numbers 13. I'm just, we could probably go through a lot of this, but Numbers 13 is where I want to start. This was the text that I knew I had to go to today. And, of course, this is the Lord had instructed Moses to, uh, you know, to send out spies into the, into the, into the land of Canaan. Um, the promised land. Everybody say promised land. Now, this is why we talked about promises earlier, because remember, he referred to it as the, what, promised land. So a land that's been 
promise. In other words, I told you of a promise of a land for you that's yours. Okay, so something that has been expressed. In other words, I told you this is yours. I've, there's something, an expressed assurance on which your expectation should be based. You base it on that. So I told you this is yours, so you base your expectation on that, and your faith will give it substance, right? All right, so we went down to, uh, yeah, was just, let's talk about after they come back, all right? So verse 25. Now, um, I, I've kind of done this, uh, you know, other times, but, you know, so just amuse me. Um, you know, Shema, um, Shaphat, Igal, um, Palti, Gadiel, Gadi, Emil, Sethu, Nebai, Gul. Any of those ring a bell? So, no, they don't ring a bell because those are the ten guys that died. But how many remember Caleb, Joshua, right? We remember them because they went on. They did what was right, right? So nobody remembers all the other guys, you know, but they do remember Joshua and Caleb. Now, okay, so remember that. Okay, verse 25, and they returned from spying out the land. Now, they just got done on the way out. They got uh, even bought, uh, or not bought, they uh, took some, some of the fruit out of the land, um, came back with this massive cluster of grapes uh, that was just uh, phenomenal. It was obvious just to prove that how much fruit was in that land and how, how great it was. God had said that it was, you know, that it was there. Okay, so verse 26, now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and at Kadesh, and they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they, everybody say they, they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us, and it truly flows with milk and honey. In other words, it's a prosperous land, and this is its fruit. So in other words, it was just like God said. Uh-oh. But nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw. Everybody say, we saw. We saw. Okay, now this word saw means we perceived our view, our vision of it. Literally, we talked about uh, how, we, how we perceived it, thought it, all that word. So just, I mean, when you think about this, you know, it all makes sense. See, we, we saw something, and um, even though God told us something, the way we're seeing this is different. Now, Joshua and Caleb went and saw all the same thing, and the way they saw it was different than the way the other ten saw it. So that just goes to show you that we could all be sitting in here and everybody seeing something different, right? But the idea is to see what he wants us to see and to see it how he wants us to see it. Come on, somebody. To get that right picture, because if we get the right picture, our faith will give that substance, and we'll get the right results. And if it's a promise you're standing for, if you get the right picture, your faith will give it substance, praise God. It'll manifest on your behalf, and you can go, yay, hallelujah, amen. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land 
are strong, the cities are fortified and very large. More we saw the descendants of Anak, in other words, the giants, amen, we saw some big folks there, amen, and so we, they're not denying that. God didn't even deny that, right? Even Joshua and Caleb didn't deny that, okay? But the Amalekites uh, dwell in the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, a whole bunch of otherites, right? Right? They dwell by the mountain, the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Now, for whatever it's worth, okay, um, each one of those actually has a meaning, Okay, um, the word the Amalekites refers to one to bring burden or heavy load. The Hittite means one to terrorize or intimidate. Jebusite means one that overwhelms uh, with anxiety or grief. The Amorite, okay, means uh, a boaster or challenger. Uh, the Canaanite, and this refers to something being uh, a sense of humiliation or to somehow be uh, degraded in a sense, okay? So, uh, so when they're telling all this, okay, we're, we're just seeing a bunch of ites, right? So these guys are bringing out, uh, you know, because they could have just said, we got folks in every direction, uh, but we, don't worry. God says we're able. Let's do it, right? But no, they're bringing out, now these guys, these guys over here, they terrorize. These guys over here, they're going to make you feel bad. And these guys over here, they're going to they're gonna embarrass you. And these guys over here are somehow going to degrade you. And you know these guys over here, somehow they're going to beat you down, browbeat you until you feel like you're nothing. And they live over there by the, by the sea. So all of a sudden these people are going, right? Now, you and me, we just sing Amalekites, Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites, Canaanites. People, they're not seeing that. But something began to happen, and Caleb had to begin to quiet the people because all of a sudden, we got an uproar going. You know what I mean? You know, everything now, everything's all of a sudden. So Caleb said, whoa, 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 whoa. Right? He quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once. We better do it now. If we don't do it now, we're in trouble. Go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men, look at this now. This is where it cross lines. The men who had gone up with him said, we are not able. So 10 of them said, we're not able. Two of them said, we're able. Are you getting this? So, you know, democracy. Hmm. We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. Why? Because we saw it. We saw it. And they gave the children of Israel, it says, a bad Everybody say bad. It was a bad report. They gave the children of Israel a bad report. See, to believe the lie is to not believe the truth. So if you believe enough of the lie, it paints the picture of the lie, and you can't get past that because your faith starts giving it substance because you choose 
to believe the lie instead of the promise. So they are strongly. So it gave him a bad report. And the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw, whom we saw in it are men of great stature. I mean, there's not like anybody, I mean, there's nobody little there. Everybody's giants. Everybody's huge. I mean, that's probably not true. But you know as well as I do. You know, it's like, it's like the kids sometimes when they come up and say, well, I'm telling you, everybody. M- means what, two? <laughs> right? Right? Or, you know, everything. Is, well, no, no, not everything. We Just that one thing right there. And right now it just seems overwhelming. Right? Come on. See, anytime you look at your mountain long enough, everything. That's it. It's, it's just they're overwhelming you. It's, it's just there. It's like, ah, you know. So we're all like, <gasps> you know. So everything. No, not everything. It's just one thing. But right now, it's just trying to overwhelm you. Come on. And if you believe in it long enough and meditate on it long enough, it, it'll, ta- it'll change the canvas, change the whole picture. And pretty soon, it looks hopeless. Come on. Now, we're not making light of anybody's thing. We're not denying anybody's thing. Joshua and Caleb didn't say, no, 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 there's nobody big there. They're all just midgets. He didn't say anything about the fact that the cities were fortified. I mean, he didn't deny it. He just says, we're well able. Why? Because the God who delivered us from the most influential nation on the planet can deliver us from anybody else we come in contact with. And the God who provides the way he provides, we ain't never going to be without. And the God who's manifesting himself on a daily basis right in front of us will always be with us. None feeble. Amen. Now, later on in chapter 14, you know, the, Caleb, the word says that Caleb had a, had a different spirit about him. This guy was different. Why? Because he actually believed what God said. Come on now. And uh, so here he's trying to quiet everybody down. And, of course, everybody's all worked up. And these guys said, no, we can't. It won't happen. Now we find out it's, it, God calls it a bad report. Everybody say a bad report. Now, verse 33. Here we go. Here they're going to repeat it again. Then we saw. See, I'm telling you, I saw it. Well, maybe, maybe you didn't see all of it. Maybe your perspective is off. Have you ever had your perspective off? Nobody wants to admit that, but anybody ever had your perspective off? I sent somebody a text today, and uh, I didn't have my glasses on. <laughs> Later on, I looked and I went, ah. Oh. Autocorrect. <laughs> it was like, wrong word. <laughs> you know, 
And I had to go back and go, uh, whoops. <laughs> Put your glasses on, Jerry, or you send a text out. <laughs> Everybody say perspective. <laughs> it looked all right, you know, without glasses. Well, praise the Lord. Anyway, perspective. Amen. So if there's a wrong perspective, guess what? There's probably going to be a wrong expectation. And if there's a wrong expectation, you're probably going to get wrong results. Because that's what your faith's going to give substance to. So it could be just a perspective's off. All right? So the perspective here was that the cities were still, you know, like, you know, they could be great cities. And there could be some big people even there. But they said, we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, which came from the giants, right? And we were like grasshoppers. Uh-oh. But now it starts coming out. In, we're just like a bug in our own sight. Well, that's the problem. You're just a grasshopper in your own sight. Oh, young grasshopper. Right? You're just a grasshopper. In your own sight. And so you assume that we probably are in their sight. Now, if anybody remembers, uh, we don't have time to go through all this, but uh, when finally the children of Israel, 40 years later, when the next generation went in, they were all panicked over the river about these children of Israel. They were all panicked. But for some odd reason, this group here said, no, we're grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. And I just sometimes I think about that, and I think, you know, it's like, like somebody said, well, you know, uh, everybody thinks that way. Well, who did you ask, really? Who did you ask? You heard, what, one person say something, two people maybe? So that means everybody thinks that way? And I'd like to know, as spies, everybody say spies. Now, I don't know, but the way I kind of grew up thinking, spies usually kind of sneak around. They're not really out there. I mean, maybe James Bond might be a little bit Bond, James Bond. Everybody knows me. right? Well, not everybody, not every spy walks around in a studly suit and looks cool and drinks whatever it is they drink. Yes, shaking, not stirred. There it is. Uh, so anyway, the point is, uh, not everybody's that cool. But anyway, so, so you got spies. But for the most part, spies kind of sneak around. Nobody probably, I don't think any of the 12 went in there and said, I just want you to know we're part of that group over the other side of the river, and we're going to take you over. What do you think, huh? 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 What do you think, huh? No, I don't think any of that happened. Now, I'm just, maybe that's just being a little sarcastic here, but... I don't think that's the way it went down. So that tells me something that, see, this grasshopper mentality was just their own thing. And then they're assuming everybody else is thinking that. The problem with this, the reason it was so critical is because the 10, well, the 12 are all leaders. That's the problem. See, if it was just, you know, some 
you know, some guy that nobody really knows. Hey, I think we probably ain't going to be. Yeah, and they say, who are you? Shut up. But when a leader, somebody that's been appointed by, one of them was appointed by every tribe. And if we've got, you know, 100,000 plus in each tribe, and they pick one man, that's a leader. And that one, so 10 of the 12 are talking this way. You can imagine the upheaval that it creates. When you got leaders saying things they got no business saying. Well, there's a price for that mess. Ooh, so all the congregation, verse 1 of chapter 14, all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. Hmm. All of a sudden, this defeat mentality is trying to roll in. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses. They all got critical. Well, we've got we to we we blame somebody. And they blamed Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt. My thought, if you're so quick to die, what are you worried about going across the river that? What's the point? Anyway, it's just, maybe it's just me. I just, I just don't get it. But, but at the same time, I've seen this. It's, we, just, we just lay down and die. If only we had died in the land of Egypt. Or if only we had died in this wilderness. I'm thinking, you're, you're talking about dying, yet you're, you're all crying because you're thinking and fearful that you might die. But then you're all saying, I want to die, but I don't want to die. Well, which is it? Right? Am I, am I really? Come on, right? That means it's not making any sense. All right. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword? Now listen to me, here we go, that our wives and our children, come on, should become victims. Mm. So we're all, you know, fearful of our families. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? Well, let's just think about this for a second. Mm, no. Because for the last 430 years, you've been bellyaching to God about get us out of here, deliver us out of here. So you got delivered out of there, and now all of a sudden you can't make up your mind whether you want to die in Egypt, in the wilderness. You sure as heck don't want to cross the river because you could die over there. But listen, guys, I know, like I said, having a little fun with that, but how many times do we give in to that mess? We've all been there. So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Disloyal, unfaithful. And Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of uh, Jephunneh, uh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. They spoke uh, to all the congregation and the children of Israel, saying to them, the land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. In other words, just like God said. Amen. Look at, look at this. Those two are still focused on the prize. 
They're focused on the promise. That's what separated them two from the rest of them. Okay, listen. If the Lord delights in us, then He will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the, the people of the land, for they are our bread. There's no way they can stand before us. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And all the, children, all the congregation said, stone them. <laughs> Isn't that funny? It's funny. We'll stone them. Just shut them up. Because we like our party right now. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle meeting before all the children of Israel. Of course, the Lord's a little bummed, a little upset. Him and Moses have a, a, a talk. Let's go down to, uh, for sake of time here, let's go to verse 30. Okay. Except for Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. And Joshua, the son of Nun, you shall by no means enter the land, okay, which I swore I would make you dwell in. Now, listen, it's still a promised land, right? But your little ones, whom you said would be victims. Now, listen, that's key. See, your picture was somehow you saw your kids as being victims. Well, wait a minute, I thought, I thought you had faith in God. You know, somebody, you know, I can't remember now who said it, but, um, you know, you can't talk to people about their time, their money, or their kids. Everybody gets all freaked out. Well, mainly because they put their time, their money, and their kids before God. I, I know it's none of you. But they thought, see, they thought they were justified because I don't want to see my family go through anything. Well, who said your family is going to go through anything? See, the picture is, see, that's what trying, God's trying to say. The ones that you saw as a victim were not even victims. They were part of the group that got delivered. And the God that delivered you all from, the, from Egypt, the same God's going to deliver you from the, you know, the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Canaanites and the otherites. And if you only knew the Canaanites, the Jebusites, the Hittites and the otherites are all fearing you. Because these little victims went in and actually took the promised land. Now, let me just bring something out here. Are you doing okay? Yeah. Or are you done with me already? Um, so, we, our perspective, our picture was, our family's going to be a victim. So, what happens? Okay. Those 10 men who are concerned for their families widowed their wives. Their kids now are without a dad because of the plague 
Now listen. Now you say, well, praise God for the new covenant. Yes, but remember, nobody's exempt from all this mess. So, the victims end up going in and being the ones who took possession of a land that they could, and listen, that they could have taken possession of 40 years earlier and actually got to enjoy growing up in a promised land. Is it, I mean, you, you think about it. So 40 years later, everybody else becomes fertilizer. This younger generation, it finally goes, it grows up. Joshua and Caleb get to go in, which means and tells me, listen, listen, if Joshua and Caleb could 40 years and still get, I mean, come on. See, the whole group could have said, listen, um, there's things, we're, we're going to have some challenges. There's some things, but I'll tell you what, God said we could have this land. This is our land. So um, we're not going to lie to you. We're going to fight for our nation. Amen. We're going to take what's ours. And uh, we're going to believe God. Because if God would deliver us out of there, and, lit, and lit, like Trudy even brought up a minute ago, and, and they all came out of Egypt, literally, the word said, no feeble among them. So they all even had a healing deliverance or, deliverance or a healing for some of them. I mean, that means, that means even Grandpa, and grandma, come on, they all came out strong. So somehow, you know, because I'm sure in Egypt, not everybody was, you know, uh, you know, totally healthy. And, but all of a sudden, when the deliverance came, not only was there a way out, but God delivered everybody so they could walk out on their own. Come on, somebody. Well, healthy, and whole. Uh, is anybody hearing me? So my, God, my thought is, you start thinking about all this, the dynamics of all of this, and yet we're going to sit here and nitpick something? Or we're going to sit here somehow and think that God doesn't know what He's talking about? Now, we have all been guilty of this mess. We look at something, and because at the moment it's towering over us, and we sit here and we, we give it place and we meditate on it and set our attention on it to the point that this thing gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger till we're talking the same thing they're talking, just take me home. It had been better back in Egypt. Now, to you and me, that's the world. So would it really be better to be back in the world? Because I knew some of you in the world. You don't want to go back there? And I wasn't in the world with you because you didn't know me in the world. He did. But I, I, some of you, I saw you come out of that mess. And I remember moments where oh, I've been delivered. I've been set free. Yes, hallelujah. We all rejoice. We all dance. And a year later, we forgot. I didn't want to go back to Egypt because of this thing I'm dealing with. No, 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 no. The same God that, remember, can do this. 
If God will provide, God will heal. If God will heal, God will deliver. If God can deliver, God can take care of this. And if God can take care of that, he can sure take care of this. And if God can take care of that, hey, there ain't nothing impossible. Well, I just got to be concerned for my family. Well, good for you. Because I'm sure God isn't. Well, I just got to be concerned for my, my own well-being. Really? How well did you do with that before? Well, I just got to be concerned for my uh, $12.42. Well, that $12.42 ain't going to take you very far. In fact, I had a burger today. It cost that much. And it better be a good one for $12.42. Amen? But it was. It was a good one. The point is, we get so concerned about things that, in all honesty, God provides, God delivers, God will protect, God will set you free, God will take care of that, God will deal with that. Got to deal with that. We just got to get the picture right. Well, so those uh, 10 passed away. It was a little further on in the chapter there. Joshua and Caleb remained alive, it said. Of the 12, there were the only two that remained alive. And as the days went on, in fact, the word, if you read a little bit further on, it actually explains why there was 40 years in the wilderness. 40 years, one year for every day that the spies went into the land. That was, it was determined. So they knew 40 years wandering in a wilderness because of the 40 days. Now, somebody said, well, why, why would God do that? Well, you're reminded every day it doesn't pay to doubt God. Now, the new covenant, praise the Lord. I mean, we can stand, you know, today and we can say, thank you for the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood over my ignorance, over my stupidity, over my doubt over my unbelief, over my mistake. Praise the Lord. And uh, there's, you know, an opportunity for God to come in and do something and make something different and help. Now, you go on with the wrong picture long enough, and you end up with the same results. Now, ain't nobody wants that 40-year mess Am I in agreement, in agreement with anybody in this house? Yes. Nobody wants that 40-year mess. Um, so, um, what's your picture? Now, I don't have time to go to these, but uh, Joshua 1 tells you, you know, that what you meditate on is going to determine your success. Psalms 1 even tells you, you've got to guard where you walk, where you sit, where you stand, right? You just can't let anything feed in you. Why? Because it determines a picture, because what you meditate on will determine your success. Picture, right? What you set your mind on will determine your success. Romans 8 tells us. Amen. It determines your actions, determines what you do. So if the picture's wrong, 
you're going to get wrong results. So it's time to change the picture if the, if the picture's wrong. So let's, let's a, I'm going to ask you, okay, you, you got to settle this inside. Okay, what promise are you standing on? Now, everybody in here got something different going on, somebody watching by internet, listening by internet. We all got something maybe we're, we're dealing with or something we're working through or something that we're standing for or something that, um, you know, that we would like changed or made different or increased or, or whatever, okay? So what is your promise? Have you found a promise? So a promise is there for you to base your expectation on. Why? Because of the picture. So you meditate on the promise long enough, it changes the picture. If you change the picture, your faith will give it substance. So what are you standing for? What are you believing for? And if you can't see yourself past it, then you automatically should know the picture's wrong. So let's change the picture. Well, uh, nobody likes to be told they're wrong, and nobody likes to be told that they need to do something different. But in all honesty, I think, why not? Uh, don't do the chop saw that way. Well, why? Because you'll lose fingers. Well, I don't care. I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. Well, that'd be silly, wouldn't it? So, you know, working around power equipment, it'd be nice to know, how's it work? What's the good thing, a good way to do it? A bad way? Make sure I'm doing it right? We can go on and on. I got kids to raise. Anybody got kids to raise? Wouldn't it be nice to know the right way? No, the world don't teach you that. They got ideas. Okay. Um, uh, if, if the finance ain't where it needs to be, wouldn't it be nice to know how to do it right? If uh, you, know, you, you got health things going on, wouldn't it be nice to, to have it the right way? I'm just saying. I'm just, we can go on and on with everything. A marriage. Wouldn't it be nice if the marriage was good? Wouldn't it be nice if the marriage was good? Some of you are like, well, I'm still, you know, debating on that one. No, come on. We all want things working right. Well, then it's sometimes, you know, it's a matter of just go find the right answer and start meditating on it, and it begins to change the picture. If you meditate on it long enough, amen, guess what? Your faith gives it substance. Amen. Well, pastor, this thing's pretty big. I know because that's what we're meditating on. That's what we set our attention on. That's what, and so what happens, we don't even know it, that now we're expecting the worst instead of expecting the best. And all this just changed the picture. And pretty soon, one day, you go, you know what? This thing's changing. Amen. This thing's changing. Amen. Praise the Lord. And now your words are now hooking up. Amen. Life. Amen. Well, anyway, praise the Lord. Did you get something today? Yeah. Give the Lord a praise. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Praise God. Why don't you all stand up? Praise the Lord. Let's get, let's get this thing right. Amen.
Amen. I always, uh, you know, the thing I kind of put down here in my notes, but it's just kind of a thing that maybe just my way of seeing it. But, um, you know, he says set your mind on things above and not on things of this earth. And when you stop and you think about the reason for that, there's, you know, you set your mind on the higher things because the higher things is connected to a realm of possibility. So when you connect to the higher things, what you've connected to is a realm of all things are possible. But when you set your mind on things of the earth, the problem with that is the earth is, is filled with limitations. So when you constantly set your mind down here with things, what you've done now is you've, you've attached yourself to a different realm, a realm of limitation. So that's why we want to, you know, hook up and connect and set our sights on something that's in a different realm. And little by little, it begins to, to work and change. The next thing you know, your face given it something. Praise the Lord. So, Father, we give you praise, glory, and honor. We're thankful for this people today that had an ear to hear and a heart to receive. Father, forgive us for the times we've kind of give in to some of that, that mess. But, but, Lord, you are faithful and just to forgive, and we receive that. We thank you for that. Praise God. And we choose the higher ways. We choose to set our mind on things above, hallelujah, to gain, hallelujah, an expectation of greater things, of the God things, of the promises of God, hallelujah. And for that, we give you praise. Father, once again, we give thanks and honor for what you began, for what you're doing, and for what you're about to do. And for that, we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Give the Lord praise, everybody. Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you praising God.